Hey, 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 hey. Welcome to the Book Rick Podcast. I'm here at Sexton. I'm here with Nick Houseman. Um, you know, there are certain stories that are made for the Muckrake podcast that we are in a unique position to cover. And I think everybody listening to this episode has been waiting to hear what Nick and I have to say about the Trump indictment. We're going to get to that in a second. A quick little announcement. I'm going on a bit of a silent sojourn. So Nick is going to handle the weekender on Friday, which I'm very excited about. Uh, Meanwhile, all hell might break loose. Who even knows? Cats, dogs living together. But in the meantime, Nick, um, it happened. Donald Trump was indicted with over 30 counts in uh, relation to the federal investigation uh, that he withheld documents, uh, national security documents, top secret classified documents. We'll get into those in a second. We'll talk about all of these counts. Uh, He is looking at, um, let me check my notes here. I'm sure it's just a couple of months. Oh, 400 years, 400 years in a federal penitentiary. Um, Nick, I got to tell you, I am still picking my jaw off the floor with this one. There's a lot, lot, lot to unpack, but um, the floor is yours. What what were your immediate reactions? How do you feel about this? My favorite part of this whole thing, I got to tell you, is when he's describing, as written in the notes by Corcoran, his lawyer, uh, how Hillary was able to get off uh, from her having a private email server, where he basically acknowledges that the emails that she deleted were all, uh, you know, personal emails that had nothing to do with anything. And that's what he likes. He wants his lawyer to do the same thing for him. Incredible. Honestly, we have so much to talk about everything else, but that was the thing that was like, oh, it's so nice that he actually understood that and said it and no one's even going to notice. So much like um a a couple of weeks back where i was on the road listening to ron DeSantis announce his presidential campaign on on my phone as i drove nick when this dropped i i was on the road i was traveling and actually so i I, i'll tell the story very quickly i went into like a circle k which i as much driving and traveling as i do i have a, a hierarchy of gas stations you, you, you learn which ones to trust. And Circle K is way, way up on that list. Huh. I went to the bathroom and a, a near and dear friend of mine texted me a picture of a bunch of, um, they looked like damaged, cheap document boxes in a really gaudy, sad looking bathroom. And I had no idea what was going on. I didn't understand what it was re- in reference to. And I was like, what is going on here? And I, I assumed that it was a picture of maybe a hoarder's house that, you know, maybe maybe like a person was living in. I had no idea what was going on. I had not heard the thing. I was listening to an audio book. And uh, I, I then turned on coverage of this thing. And I got to tell you, Nick, first of all, that was very strange. Moving from an existence in which the rest of the world knew that Donald Trump had been indicted and the details. But as the details were coming out, like things like that, and we're going to dig into the Hillary Clinton part of this thing in a little bit. I I literally just kept going, what in the hell is going on? You know, I just, as, as the details came out, what has been put together by Jack Smith and, and the feds at this point? Um, what an incredible indictment. The details here, um, as you and I have documented now for years, it is a very, very specific combination, a... Um, 
a, 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 a rue of sorts of Donald Trumpism, which is uh, self-dealing, but also shabbiness and also yeah. treasonous, like all of these different elements. This is a perfect encapsulation of who Donald Trump is and what he means for this country. And each detail is more lurid and concerning and upsetting than the last. Well, you have to remember that this case does not get brought uh, and get as far as it has gotten without the most ironclad evidence and dead to rights, you know, um, legal arguments. They don't to want to do this. Right. <laughs> they do not want to charge Donald Trump with these crimes. Well, here's the thing. I think when they got halfway through the evidence, they, they probably said, yeah, we have, we want to. Like, I, I, you know what I mean? Jack Smith was like, fuck this. We now need to do this. This has to be our have imperative. You ever, but, have you ever yeah. worked as a manager? You've worked as a manager before, correct? I you mean, I have managed just people, I suppose. Yeah. Right. Okay. I've managed as well. That, that sounds great, doesn't it? I've managed as well. We all managed. You, we're, we're both kind, empathic people. I assume that when you were a manager, Nick, when somebody underneath you would act out, you didn't want to punish them. You didn't want to write them up. You didn't want to go after them. And you would say to people, please don't make me do this. Please just don't be so egregious that I have to do this. And occasionally they would listen and occasionally they would not. Donald Trump did not listen. They tried and they tried and they tried. They did not want to do this thing. But this, what we are looking at with this indictment, there is no way you can't charge him with this stuff. You can't. It is so obvious and so overt that you cannot possibly hope to not charge him. Well, here's the thing um, that's so ridiculous about this is Jack Smith wouldn't even be here. He would be at The Hague hanging out in Europe and doing his thing, right? If it hadn't he been... He strikes me as a guy who wants to hang out at The Hague trying war criminals, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Listen, it's a wonderful area of Europe. I'm sure I, you know he wouldn't want to leave that uh, for anything. But um, that's how hard it was to get to this point. That's how much Donald Trump had to do to shoot himself in the each toe individually and then other places in his body. Is that like, and then when you said they didn't want to do this, right? No. Merrick Garland had been in office for a long time and hadn't done anything for this until finally after enough times and he wouldn't return the documents and they had to, they had to raid uh, his, his uh, compound that they finally said, okay, we now need a special counsel. Well, and that's the thing about this, you know, and, and I, somebody said to me the other day, they go, well, if you're going to charge Trump with this, why not charge Biden or Pence or Hillary Clinton? I'm like, fine, do it. That I, whatever. I, why do you think? And, and it's always, it comes along partisan lines, right? It's the yeah. idea that I just want Trump to be charged because I don't like Trump. Partially true, but also not true. Like, yeah, these people should be treating our national secrets with more respect and care. I mean, we haven't even gotten into the specifics of that yet. But literally, like the, 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 the records, the, the, the feds, they kept saying, just give it, give it back to us. Just, just, just give it, it's almost like when you keep getting letters from like a collection firm that's like, hey, eventually we're going to get this money. Just please, just, just let's do something here. They had no desire, but then Jack Smith gets in there. I can just see that face. He gets in there and he's like, oh, they moved them. Oh, he had his, he had Walt Nauta move things. Oh, they, they flooded the surveillance. Oh, we have notes that he said that 
whatever. What do you want me to do? 400 years. Let's see what happens. I mean, they, they, it, it literally had to happen because there was no other way around it. Well, and you keep saying that this wouldn't have happened had he not decided to run again. No, it wouldn't have happened. And, and, but but it, I don't know if anyone remembers explicitly that the Department of Justice said that. And it said that the reason why they appointed Jack Smith was particularly because he just announced his, uh, his candidate for president of the United States. So be, yeah. this is sort of like he was telling us out in the open, maybe we didn't even kind of wrap our heads around this, just because can you have a guy in the White House who is this cavalier with, you know, um, uh, sensitive documents like that? That's the whole thing. This is an intelligence matter. We all remember how all of these um, assets were getting burned uh, or killed. All their yeah. spies around the country, around the world, all of a sudden after Trump takes over. Uh, you have to imagine, and by the way, we, we saw in the in the indictment how many of the different intelligence communities signed off on this indictment that they were they intended to Nick, prosecute because all of them had Nick, hands in different documents. Nick, tell me if I'm wrong because I was trying to remember this, and the entire Trump administration is such a haze. Yeah, was it on his first day, or like in his first two or three days, in which it came out that he was like handing over classified information to like russia about like spying like like that, that he was at least talking openly about state secrets i i want to say that it had to do with israel like i and, and that's how crazy it is it happened almost immediately within the trump presidency because that idiot got in the room and i want to point out in all of this to to put yourself in donald trump's mindset is it's like the worst game of Twister that you've ever played. Like you're not putting your hand on red. You're putting your hand into psychosexual trauma. You're putting <laughs> your left foot into like narcissistic self-hatred, right? You can't have this person look at state secrets because part of it is it is it's evidence of his self-worth right? Uh, I'm a man who gets in the room. I can see the things, right? It's the narcissism of it. Somehow or another, it, it, it shows who he is and how powerful and important he is. But also you can't have someone that craven doing it. It's it, whether or not there was ever a piss tape, whether or not he was ever in hawk to the Russians, which by the way, he was or in Saudi Arabia and you name it, which he is and was like, you cannot trust him to not be like, much like Rod Blagojevich, like, I'm not going to give this thing away for free. This is a golden ticket. Like, he recognized immediately when he stepped in the White House how much he could leverage that power in that position to self-deal. And he's exactly right. He's been able to use it in, like, the worst, most shoddy possible way. You cannot have this person around this stuff. Right. And just in case you're wondering, it was in early May of uh, 2017 after he got, you know, remember, he only got into office at the end of months. January. Um, and, 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 and the report was that it was code word clearance information, uh, you know, stuff that was really that burned the Israeli government. Um, and you have to remember, like, this is this is what's happened in the past, too. This is why this is why the whitewashing of Nixon was so um, damning or not damning. It was so um, problematic. It's not even quite the word, because when you re when you ignore and forget how bad it was with what Nixon did, then it kind of makes it seem like it's yep. OK. And yep. this is the problem here where uh, he, he could do that. Uh, and remember, the reason why Nixon ended up having to resign was because the intelligence community, mainly Mark Felt, the FBI, decided to leak. Enough. Enough. 
right? He was he was the backstop to democracy. And he should be, you know, out as a hero, even though what he did was illegal and he probably would have gone to prison for a long time if they found out. Um, but that's what the intelligence committee can sometimes do, and it's probably what's happening here. Uh, so that screams of deep state and all the MAGA people going crazy about it. I will be the person to go ahead and say, again, as I always do, the reason why the deep state conspiracy theory holds any weight is because there is a deep state and there has been since the cia was founded since the fbi you know took over like there has been that backstop that you're talking about and you're not wrong i mean one of the things that we always do it's like one of those uh magic eye tests at the mall right like you know when we talk about richard nixon and watergate what we're doing is we're always saying oh richard nixon was the problem Right. Richard Nixon was this just awful human being who got into the presidency. And then that's how everything went to shit. No, Richard Nixon doesn't become president at that moment if there isn't a cultural movement towards it. Right. If there isn't a self-dealing sort of uh, reaction to the 1960s, 19, early 1970s. And, and in all of this, what ends up happening is you get to the point where these highfalutin notions of what the presidency is supposed to be. Hail to the chief. Right. Like like this this world defining the leader of the free world who stands up for everything it's supposed to be. You don't get to Donald Trump unless there is a cultural degeneracy, you know, unless there is a cultural political decay. The same way you don't get to Nixon unless that happens. And in all of this, these secrets. And I want to point out. This isn't just like, and, and I love now that Jim Jordan's doing this. He's saying that this is just like, you know, overclassified stuff. That's what the Republicans are saying. And we'll get into that a little bit more in a second. Like, we're talking about nuclear state secrets that Donald Trump would pull up and flap around like a dinner napkin as his guests ate overcooked ribs that they probably paid $50 a plate for, and it tasted like shit. And he did that. And in all of these contingency plans, war plans, secret intelligence, like he did all of that and poked these people in the eye, whether it's the CIA, the FBI, the feds, you name it. He continually pushed against the people who said, we at least have to have a modicum of decorum. And it reached the point where you can't do anything. Because I got to tell you, Nick, if he didn't run for president again, we would still be reading stories about the archives trying to get that stuff back. We yeah. would still be hearing stories about it going back and forth. This this whole thing wouldn't have cracked open. It just so happens that they had no choice here. I mean, the, the other thing, though, is um, the, the, the dicking around of the, of the uh, Department of the Justice. Dicking around. You know, where he was just like, so again, was he selling secrets? Did he want to benefit monetarily? Like, like it just seems almost like that would be too competent for a guy like Trump. But again, he's got this thing where he simply, if you tell him he has to do something, he just can't, won't. He has to go against that. So there's all these interesting quotes when it was like they're talking, when he's talking to the lawyers and saying, I don't want anybody looking. I don't want anybody looking through my boxes. I really don't. I don't my want boxes. To through my boxes. Um, well, what if we, what happens if we just don't respond at all or don't play ball with them? Wouldn't it be better if we just told them we don't have anything here? Well, look, isn't it better if there are no documents? Um, this is the kind of thing Incredible. where he's like a child who got caught, and now they're going to try and like bury the evidence or hide it so nobody finds it, but they're going to hide it like under the bed, <laughs> you know? <laughs> or someone with a parent comes in and just like, okay, here's your stash. Like, you know what I mean? That's how stupid this is. I had a cousin um, 
man, I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. But if he does, hey, how's Ooh. it going? I had I had this cousin who once stole some stuff and he was little and he wanted to hide it. He didn't want like his parents to find out that he had stolen it. So he punched a hole in the wall and put the stuff in the hole in the wall. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. It doesn't go away. And now people are asking what's in the hole in the wall. And like this whole thing, I it's kind of amazing to watch the way this works. And I'm so glad you brought up the child part about it because what actually happens when Donald Trump gets in any bit of trouble whatsoever, there is a very observable, predictable cycle that takes place, right? He stands up against it. He puffs out his chest. He gets all defiant. The next thing you know, when things get worse, um, he like go, you know, he attacks the people who are doing it. And then all of a sudden what happens, Nick? All of a sudden, Walt Nauda, his body man, is moving things around and lying to the feds. Which, by the way, like, it do- we've said this before, it doesn't pay to be loyal to Donald Trump. It doesn't. Like, he will absolutely steamroll you and leave your bones and broken body in his wake, and he will not think about it. To go back to the Hillary Clinton thing, and that's what's rich about all of this, is his first instinct, right, is to, and, and what did he build his entire presidential run on, Nick? He built it on Hillary Clinton as a criminal. She's done this thing. The, the, the feds haven't gone after her in the right way. I'm going to make sure that they lock her up. What does he do immediately when he feels the heat? He, he references it explicitly. We need to do what she did because in Trump's mind, you know, the, the good for the goose, good for the gander. It's about him. The laws don't matter. The nation doesn't matter. State secrets don't matter. It's about him. He says to M. Evan Corcoran, which, by the way, I I have to, I can't even imagine what Trump felt when he found out that they had Corcoran's notes. You know what I mean? Like the moment that they realized that Corcoran's notes were going to be used for the feds prosecution, that, that, by the way, is when it was signed, sealed, and delivered. That's when it was done. He hates us, and I don't think he kept them in front of him. So I, he was probably completely just flabbergasted and shocked when he heard that they were even existed. I, completely. And by the way, he says this in reference to Hillary Clinton from Corcoran's notes. Quote, she didn't get in any trouble because he said, her lawyer, that he was the one who deleted them. And what Trump has done and has tried to do in every way, shape, or form in this, Nick, is to say, well, maybe if you do it, you'll be fine. And that way, like, I'm not implicated, right? And he keeps saying, maybe you tear them up. Maybe they disappear. You know, he never says the words explicitly. It is it is about that self-protection at all costs, including hurting literally anybody. He would have done this to his kids. I'm shocked Eric wasn't down at Mar-a-Lago eating these things with A1. You know what I mean? Like, I'm absolutely surprised that he didn't get his kids in on this cover-up. It probably had more to do with logistics and planning and timing than anything else. And and also, you know, in case we were wondering whether he was disconnected from the whole thing, they literally have the texts that show that he was bringing box upon box over days and days and days and going through them all to basically take out the documents that he intended to keep and not give back to the Department of Justice. Like, there's your obstruction right there. And again, we have these laws. They want to keep... It's like the people that argue in favor of uh, of not having any more gun regulation because that's what the Second Amendment says uh, by letter of law. Well, then they also don't want the letter of law to be enacted for, like, obstruction. You know, they, they, they want it to be very selective in what, how does these laws apply to different people. Obviously, Hillary is another example where they needed to have her uh, be locked up, but not Trump. 
Um, and it all just shows just the hypocrisy of the whole thing. And as a result, you know, when you find people who are, you know, real Americans, or that's not the right word, but real serious people who uphold the law, you know, these are the people you need to have, you know, and, and who are brave enough to stand up as I, I would hate to be in, in Jack Smith's shoes right now because we're so I'm so worried. And I know you're worried more than I am about what's going to happen today when everyone listens to this. I have no doubt that's, you know, as we record this on a Monday afternoon, that, you know, it sounds like people are being pre- are preparing right now for some violence. Yeah, no, they absolutely are. I mean, their fantasies are coming true. The The, the weird, sick thing in all of this is that this is what they want. You know what I mean? Like it literally has been millions of Americans um, who support Trump wanted this to happen. They want their fantasies of the, the the deep state conspiracy, the pedophile satanic cabal conspiracy. They want all that to be true because it's it's now so ingrained in them. And I want to go ahead and say, as we're talking about that, first of all, to anybody listening who is a pundit or a reporter or a politician, I know there are a lot of them who listen to this show. Once more, I need to say explicitly, they're not going to leave Donald Trump. This indictment, which we'll hear from Bill Barr, who says this thing's a slam dunk. Like, that is not going to work on them. They are in it. That is their identity. It is their worldview. They, they, they literally are in such a cult mindset at this point that none of this is going to change. Stop talking about it. Stop hoping for it. Look beyond that mindset. They want this. And there are many, many people right now, Nick, who are very excited because they have been able, through social media and local organizing efforts, they've been able to use the radicalization of the Republican Party to bring people into their fold. There are a lot of white supremacists and separatists and and violent paramilitary groups who have used this. They've recognized it as their own and as their window opening. And Trump getting indicted by the federal government, which is much worse, by the way, than the state of New York. The state of New York feels like, oh, it's a local matter, blah, blah, blah. The federal government going after Donald Trump feels like if, if, if the powder keg hasn't been set on fire so far, you know, it feels like the, the match is over by it. And you could not be more right. There is a high potential for violence over the next couple of days. And, and part of what's fueling that is the reaction by the Republican politicians. Yeah. It is certifiably disgusting how they've all or a lot of them have reacted to, to protect him, to defend him saying, but, but Hillary. And it's like, it's a seven year old argument when you have somebody who's found, you know, has an indictment of evidence to like the only way you have to defend that is to say, well, somebody else, da, 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 da. So we can talk about I got, that. I got, I, I got a quick taste of it, Nick. Let me, let me go through these real fast. And before I do, I want to say something and I'm sure you'll agree. Not only is it dangerous that the Republican candidates for president are going ahead and weighing in on this thing and defending Donald Trump, like that it it creates a problem. Nick, it's also bad politics. Do they want to defeat Donald Trump? Are they interested in defeating Donald Trump? Do they want to wrest the nomination away from him? Ron DeSantis says it's a different standard. There's the weaponizing of the power of the state. Mike Pence calls on Merrick Garland to stop hiding behind. Man, I can't believe Mike Pence is running for president. It's incredible. I can't believe Mike Pence is what? Running for president. Oh, yeah. I, it, it's well. wild. Uh, he's going after Garland. Nikki Haley is out there saying that they, uh, uh, you know, that this is prosecutorial overreach. Then, of course, yeah, you got Jim Jordan. I would, let's, let's play Jim Jordan real fast. This is great. 
sure you've seen the photos from the indictment. I'm sure you've seen the photos from the indictment. There are classified documents in the bathroom, in a ballroom stage, and classified information that he that we're talking about information that the United States shares with its allies, critical information strewn on the floor. Does that look secure to you? Again, Dana, the standard is the standard. The president of the United States, he can classify and he can control access to national security information however he wants. That's the standard. That's the Constitution. That's what the court said in Navy versus Egan in 1988 case. I don't know how many more he, times I can say it. Okay, so but if he wants to store if he wants to store material in a box in in a bathroom, if he wants to store it in a box on a stage, he can do that. That is the that that is just what the law and the standard is. That's so not, again, I think this just underscores how political this whole thing is jack smith i mean you know how political it is when they selected jack smith as a special counsel sure you've okay there's nothing to do there there's i mean literally there's nothing to do there if you're going to go down that route if you're going to follow this man all the way there's nothing to do there's no convincing these people period i, I agree i mean and there, there, it was even worse where he's basically saying she's like he already admitted that he didn't declassify these things he goes well, he declassified him when he was president. She goes, no, he admitted he didn't. He goes, well, he who believes that? I only believe what he said when, you know, before that, when he said he'd done it before, even though that was to the public and that's what he's lying about. And that when he's actually, uh, you know, just in private talking to some pe- two people, that's the what you're going to get the real information from. He won't even, he just ignores it. These are not serious people. No, they're not. And, and real fast, because this is not actually a partisan show, Nick, I want to go ahead and I want to call out something, which is I listened to the coverage at MSNBC and I got to tell you, like we're, we're, listen, we're a couple of dudes who get on here and we talk about stuff. We analyze stuff. We give historical context. We give our opinions on stuff. Like we can sit here and laugh at some of this stuff. You really should not be on a cable news network laughing about this thing and talking about how clear cut it is that Donald Trump did this. I'm sorry. Like you can cover it and you can give the facts. But when your hosts are on the air, like hooting and hollering about this thing, I understand there's a catharsis to it. But the need to go after Trump is real. I get it. I understand the psychological, personal aspects of it. I under, I listen, I'm, I'll lay my cards on the table. I love that he's been caught dead to rights. I think it's fantastic that this criminal, dangerous person has been caught dead to rights. But I do not feel like I have a societal reputation to like carry out. You know what I mean? I don't think it's great that MSNBC has our wall-to-wall coverage with people laughing about this and basically saying he's, he's guilty before he's even been tried. Yeah, and, and we you know we'd seen the snarkiness uh, in, in during his presidency as well that alienated. But I mean, it doesn't. It's not like the people who are backing Trump are watching this stuff. But you're right. We we owe it to um, you know the, the principles of journalism to cover this properly and in a sober way. Because you're right. It's not funny. This is really horrible, serious stuff. It's going to and- get repackaged. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like right. literally, like it's it's not like people at Fox News or Tucker Carlson or any of the number of right wing ideologues who radicalize people and sort of create those echo chambers. It's not like they're not watching. It's not like they're not going to take these things. But um, anyway, that that was my little thing. Let's hear let's hear from Turtle Authoritarian Man Bill Maher. Bill Barr, not Bill Maher. My God, <laughs> what's the difference? Um, what about this this chief argument that comes up for the president's allies and his legal team that this should have been handled under the Presidential Records Act, not this Espionage Act, uh, Espionage Act 
charge and other federal statutes that were used here? Well, it started out under the Presidential Records Act and, and the archives trying to re retrieve documents that Trump had no right to have. But it quickly became clear that what the government was really worried about were these classified and very sensitive documents. I was shocked by the degree of sensitivity of these documents and how many there were, frankly. And uh, so the government's agenda was to get those, uh, protect those documents and get them out. And I think it was perfectly appropriate to do that. It was the right thing to do. Uh, and I think the counts under the Espionage Act uh, that he willfully retained those documents are solid counts. Now, I, I do think we have to wait and see what the defense uh, says and, and, and what proves to be true. But I do think that even half what Andy McCarthy said, which is if even half of it is true, then he's toast. I mean, it's a it's a pretty it's a very detailed indictment uh, and it's very, very damning. That was on Fox News Sunday. Can you imagine what it was like being a producer on that show, listening to Bill Barr say that? That's incredible. Well, yeah, but then again, Fox wants him gone too. They're, I mean, you know, yeah. let me go back to what you said earlier about this because it's such a, a razor thin um, uh, margins for these for the GOP to win any race. They yeah. can't afford to lose the Trump voters who, nope. if they say enough negative things about Trump, those voters won't vote. Right. It's not like they're going to switch their vote or anyone else. If it's not Trump, they're simply going to sit this one out or sit the rest of the, the rest of their lives out, probably. Right. So they need to make sure that they somehow keep uh, those people, you know, engaged and, and willing to vote for them. If, it's, you know, Trump. Oh, hey, Trump got indicted. What can I say? He's in prison. Sorry, I didn't, didn't really want it to happen. But vote for me. You know, they, they have they need those votes if they have uh, have a hope to win. And that's why we're here. Barr can't benefit anymore, right? He's not, he's no longer the attorney general. There's not, there's nothing grifting that he can do. So he's free to now speak like the asshole that he is. Well, Barr can make money off books. Barr, okay. Barr is interested in, in, in laundering his reputation. He's also one of those guys who is very, very interested in the story about himself later. You know, this is like one of those things where it's like, oh, I was in the Trump administration. Now I'm on Dancing with the Stars. Now, you know, I'm, I'm on CNN being like, oh, he is totally irresponsible. I thought that the entire time. I, I was a white hat on the, on the inside, right? And meanwhile, Bill Barr, Bill Barr was literally, and, and I, I never want people to forget this, was literally making the argument that we needed a Christian foundation for this country and also of law enforcement. And if you questioned his will and law enforcement, maybe law enforcement shouldn't help you which is yeah. just as authoritarian as it gets. When it comes well, to... Maybe he's doing this because he's got a bagpipe album he's going to uh, try and sell soon, sooner or later, right? That's what he's doing. <laughs> so what goes along with what's going on in the field? I want, I want to say, first of all, they cannot lose the MAGA vote. I, I think there is the hope at this point that this will take care of things and that Trump won't be able to effectively run for president. And as a result, the MAGA crew will have to fall in behind somebody else who will claim I'll lead the fight against this overreach, the deep state, you name it. Uh, of course, Ron DeSantis is the person there. But one of the things that's going to happen within this primary season is it's going to be a lot of targeting of that, this pushing of the conspiracy theory, and uh, basically seeing what happens. But Nick, I got to tell you, the numbers are in. Post-indictment, Trump's numbers have gone up. Trump's numbers in the GOP primary right now sit at a solid 61%. That is commanding and jaw-dropping. This isn't going to change how people feel about him. In fact, it's going to solidify how they feel about him in, in a very, very large way.
way. Um, real fast, before we move forward and, and talk about some other relevant relevant issues, um, there is some weird stuff going on in terms of the judge in this case. Um, Nick, do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about Eileen Cannon, uh, who has uh, drawn the responsibility here? I mean, you know, she's someone who's been castigated already for her pro-Trump stance in the last time she had to deal with this. Uh, it is. I have a buddy who is. What's that? It's bad. Oh, is it's what bad. It is. I have a buddy who's a, who's a criminal uh, lawyer in Miami and who you know asked around a little bit. The the consensus down there was that the DOJ screwed up, screwed this up. Uh, he was saying that there were uh, judges who were all on vacation right now when they filed the uh, indictment. And so C- Cannon, who wasn't part of the West Palm Beach, uh, you know, area of judges, gets it because the other guys weren't around. I, I don't know if this is even true or not, but that's I, I take his word on it to some degree. Um, that said, perhaps that they, they knew it was so damning that they wanted her to do it because it would eliminate a little bit of that political uh, accusation. You know what I mean? I, I, first of all, uh, that doesn't surprise me. I also think that there's something else that happens with this. Um, I think, uh, and, and I'm not to say Jack Smith is a Democrat, uh, but I think there's sort of a democratic brain thing that happens when you are doing something like this, that is like really controversial. Like you kind of go a little bit nuts trying to prove that you're not biased. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it, like it was time to bring charges and they were like, well, maybe we shouldn't bring charges right now because of the judge situation. And they were like, they we're going to see it right down the line. And we're going to be, it just feels like one of those situations because it feels like an unforced error. But I also want to go ahead and say something because I think this is important. And before I say this, Trump's having a hard time getting representation. His lawyers basically left him like the stinky piece of cheese that he is. They just went and left. Trump is having trouble getting representation. He deserves representation. And what's more, I think this is what separates us, Nick. We have to remember in all of this, I want Donald Trump to have his day in court. I want Donald Trump to go and and be put on trial for this stuff. I want his, I I guess he'll bring up some counter evidence i don't know i apparently there will be a defense i i maybe they'll just i don't know print off a bunch of uh breitbart you know stuff or youtube videos maybe they'll bring in dinesh d'souza's you know um election interference documentary i i don't know i don't know what they're going to do here but i want him to have his day in court I do not want this to be rigged. I do not want this to be, you know, a, a monkey trial. I want it to be real. So for me, I, I yeah, does it suck that there is a, a Trump crony who's going to be presiding over it? Absolutely. I think that sucks. But I also think that you do have to carry out justice. I, I do not think that we need to live in a society in which people aren't being tried fairly. Right. Well, I mean, but the Democratic brain tends to think, well, they're going to accuse us of these terrible things. So we better do this. Newsflash. They're going to accuse you of it anyway, no matter what you do. So why not? But here's the thing that's interesting, because I think one way or the only way they would have to argue this, at least in the beginning, um, the Trump lawyers would be uh, uh, they they would request a dismissal for uh, select prosecution, um, which basically selective prosecution, which means like, well, you didn't you didn't prosecute Biden. You didn't prosecute Hillary Clinton for the same crime. So you need to dismiss this case because of this, because this is the selected political bias. Here's where Eileen Cannon comes in. Uh, you know, it doesn't seem possible that she would just dismiss the case on that. But like, 
I don't know. Let, let's find that out. I would not be like, it can't happen. I know it can't happen, but in my fevered brain, I'm already picturing something crazy like that happening or her at least accepting that argument and like thinking about it for a day or two and delaying who knows what, but that is one of the ways they're going to argue this. And God knows she might say, you know what? You're right. I, I have my MAGA hat in my back of my car that you saw me pictured with it, you know, last month. And uh, I, I really believe this guy's it's, it's selective prosecution. I, man, I just, I'm ready for everything to go wrong. I, I gotta tell you, even as I'm like, you know, inching up on like the silent retreat, like I, I Nick, I'm just ready for all hell to break loose. I, I, and again, like, I, I don't know. By the way, Trump's lawyer, tr- uh, trustee, good name, by the way. Um, he actually sounded very confident. He was going on all the shows last week before the indictment comes out, right? And uh, he, I'm like, okay, here's the guy that you were mentioning in terms of he deserves representation that's competent. This guy, was, yep. you know, seemed pretty reasonable, seemed pretty smart. As soon as the indictment comes out, they fire him, pretending like, oh, we have, it's happening in Florida. So we can't, as if there's no planes that will get them down to Florida or they can't represent <laughs> them anywhere. They are fine, you know. That, it was so ridiculous, their re- excuse for this. But uh, I think that they realized what he said about um with corcoran uh describing in his notes that when he had all these documents in there he signals like you mentioned he signals to like pluck out the ones that were going to be really damning and, and probably burn them or something right and as soon as the, his lawyers realized that these guys that, that that's what he would do to them and they would be in legal jeopardy they're like for i mean not that they didn't know that already but they're like we have to get the hell out of here this is not we can't defend well, this guy also by the way word has gone out donald trump doesn't want to pay people like, it's not only the fact that he stiffs people left and right. If you get an offer from Donald Trump to actually get paid for your services, it's stuff where he's like, oh, here's an old Trump casino chip. It's a one of a kind and I'll go ahead and sign it. It'll even be worth more. Like, this is a fraudster, period. There is no reason to go ahead and put your name on this man's, you know, with him and sully yourself. I mean, it's the equivalent of is there a is there a John Adams out there you know who, who's going to defend you know the the Boston massacre like is there somebody who's going to go and 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 like go ahead and say yes I'll stand up and do this for them like there's no reason to do it you don't have a clue if you're going to get paid and what's more like you know you're going to look up and all of a sudden your your invitations are going to dry up all yeah. right on a on a similar note. A couple of weird things that have happened uh, with this. I want to point out that Donald Trump is easily the avatar for this age of corruption and self-dealing. But history and and time has a weird way, Nick, of doing strange little things where it winks at you. You know what I mean? Where the universe is just like, hey, everybody, I see you down there. I know you feel little. Here's a wink. Um, We've had two stories that have come out as Donald Trump is becoming the first former president to face federal charges. One, Boris Johnson has resigned from parliament as investigation into his corruption and misconduct during the COVID pandemic is coming to light. That's weird. But Silvio Berlusconi uh, died at the age of 86. This, of course, is the three-time prime minister of of Italy who uh, was convicted of corruption, self-dealing. I mean, probably should have been in prison for a very, very long time and and was, in many ways, the proto-Donald Trump. Like, I don't think you get to to Donald Trump being president without Berlusconi sort of, uh, you know, he, he corrupted so that Donald Trump could run. Right. I mean, it is a weird little thing to look at this era of con men and grifters and self-dealers and realize that something has gone really, really wrong. 
You know, Berlusconi is lucky, I guess, he was in Europe at the time where promiscuity was a lot more, uh, you know, a cultural thing that wasn't doesn't bother as many people, right? Couldn't get away with what he did he, uh, here as long as he did. But, I mean, yeah, there, there's no question. There is a playbook that, you know, it's yeah. funny. Really quickly, I remember when I first started doing my the basketball stuff, people all break down. And I, you know, I was a high school coach and people treated me as if I didn't know anything because I was a high school coach, as if when you get to the NBA, all of a sudden they give you a special box of basketball knowledge that only they can have. And you know, right. And it's kind of like the same thing here. There's like the special box of like how to do the, how to grift as a yep. leader of the country. And they kind of pass it around. Maybe, you know, by the way, this is actually probably how it works. Honestly, like I feel no, like Nick, what happens, hold on. What you're missing here is that you have, you think that they're giving this box around willingly. That's not how this works. Again, they've got a golden ticket. They're not going to do it for free. This takes place at a conference room in a La Quinta Inn. And the first person who comes in is like somebody who like got a cup of coffee in the in the major leagues, you know? And it's like, that's when I realized you could hit a home run with the authoritarian grifter playbook. And it was like $9.99 asterisks infinite amount of money like that that that's where that takes place you get a danish but it tastes like shit uh okay uh fair enough but um either way i like the i like the notion of that where at the very least it's not like um i mean it's out in the open so trump could be watching berlusconi all these years and uh and just say yeah that's what we're going to do and and that and it would work um johnson's interesting another interesting case because this really kind of centers on the covid parties right like that he just wouldn't, he wasn't locking down. Um, that doesn't seem like it would be enough to certainly get him out of there unwillingly. Yet he was willing to step down in protest of that. It, it doesn't, does it make this make sense to me? Well, I'll tell you what I, I think. Um, first of all, um, I think Johnson is the type of guy, I think he understands that if you get caught up in a scandal, you can just go away for a while. And then come back, you know, it's like people are like, hey, it's Boris Johnson. I, I think he's also the type. And, and, you know, when he resigned, I don't know if you remember this, Nick, when he actually resigned as prime minister, he used this speech as being one of the most powerful people in the world. I mean, the UK is in decline, obviously, but he actually said, them's the breaks. Like, this is a person who never took any of this very seriously. I, I, I think him, Donald Trump, Berlusconi, I think, was a little bit more, um, how do I put this? Competence, not the word, but capable is maybe the other word. You know, he was more serious. Johnson and Trump never have cared about any of this. What has happened is basically almost in hobo code. If anybody ever watched Mad Men, you could scratch something on a fence and you knew that you could get a meal at this house. There was a hobo code that got put up in front of, of, of Western democracies that said, hey, the grift is hot. Get in here and you can make money and do whatever you want. You can do a song and a dance. You don't have to work that hard. Boris Johnson didn't work hard. Donald Trump doesn't work hard. They recognized that, though, that there was an opportunity to profit. Berlusconi basically went ahead and laid the foundation for here's how you take your billions of dollars and your industries and what you do and intertwine it with state power. You basically take it over as a parasite. And Donald Trump totally understood how that worked. It just so happens that all of these sort of Venn diagrams, I think, are intersecting, particularly as neoliberalism enters this like late crisis stage. Yeah. And it might sound familiar because Berlusconi also utilized the media. He owned the TV stations. Yep. He owned the networks. And that was what, you know, uh, 
built up his political power in the beginning anyway, much the same way as Trump, you know, utilized the apprentice for this is the same kind of means. Yep. Um, that said, Berlusconi might have actually been a good businessman. He, he might have actually I, been a guy who could build a company up and run it properly. I mean, it, it kind of feels that way looking at, like, you know, the evidence I've seen versus Trump, for instance. I have no idea. All, all, all I know is that Berlusconi was an absolute disgrace who should have done jail time. And now all of a sudden, Donald Trump looks like uh, he could very well do, do, do jail time. It's interesting. All right, everybody, we are going to get to this last segment here, and it is a doozy. Um, you know, we, we have talked in the past about how weird this current moment is where all of a sudden we're talking about UFOs. By the way, Nick, I don't know if I've put my, my marker down on this. I will not call them UAPs, yeah. unidentified aerial phenomenon. I think that's part of the deep state conspiracy. I'm not doing it. They're UFOs. We have heard in the past now that like maybe there were ships that got caught. Maybe Maybe we've even retrieved remains. A whistleblower named David Grush, who has a long history as a, uh, a veteran, but also uh, spent 14 years in intelligence, particularly studying this phenomenon. Uh, he has served in the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force. Uh, he has been involved in a lot of this stuff. Um, he has had a remarkable career, is now blowing the whistle, saying, that not only does the United States have crashed aircraft that are alien in origin, but also the bodies of aliens who piloted these crafts. Um, he has said that this evidence has been withheld from the government and representatives uh, and is trying to uh, say, listen, we need to take a look at this. A quick note on this, and we'll get into the actual story of it and some of the details that have been coming out uh, around it. Um, he says that he has not seen them that he does not have direct evidence, but he seems com compelled and convinced that this is true. And now this is resonating. I have a lot of thoughts on this, but Nick, are you ready to welcome our interstellar travelers? Oh, I, I am. I mean, listen, I am convinced that they're out there. I mean, the, obviously the biggest worry you'd have is that if they have enough technology to get here from somewhere, it's going to be really far <laughs> away, then it's over. We will have nothing to offer, you know, uh, any resistance. And so in that case, thank, thank goodness that maybe they're not, you know, the, uh, murderous aliens who want to kill everybody. Well, maybe they are. They call it the dark forest theory. The idea is if there is another race of, of, of beings that can make their way to us, then we need to be very wary because they would be more technological than us and they would be able to dominate us and destroy us. Yeah. Now, the best part about Star Wars, I would think, is you know how the Millennium Falcon kept breaking down? And, yeah. you know, normally before that or even now, you'd see these sci-fi things where the spaceships are pristine and they like... I'm so glad you brought this up. One of the best things about Star Wars is how dingy it is. Yeah. You know, it's like the, it's this world where you have like all this technology, but most of it sucks. And it's right. dilapidated. That's a, and, that's a cool and, thing that goes underappreciated. The first read in the trilogy all of a sudden became digital and it was it just didn't look or feel anything like that. So in so it makes sense. Okay, they, they finally get all the way over here, but you know, whatever their ship had to go through was probably, you know, a lot and they and it breaks down and they crash and then people, you know, it, that that makes sense to me, you know, and who knows, maybe they, they aren't as sort of smart. They made some mistakes and then poof, they they hit something they didn't want to. 
So all of that, you know, could resonate. I mean, listen, my dad tells me stories remembering of what happened in Roswell and hearing sure. reports of that. And, and, you know, the reports that were then were very, very compelling until they were able to shut it down. So uh, I, I'm a believer. I think that there's stuff out there. Uh, there's a lot of things that are in, unexplainable that we've seen, even the evidence with the, the, the video footage from the F-16s or the, the fighters. Um, you know, some very compelling things. Uh, I, I would hope that, you know, it, that it, we get more evidence and it would come out sooner than later because, you know, we've already been in the dark for since the 50s, basically. Uh, and it's frustrating because I'd like to know. There's a lot that I want to unpack here, but I want to say, first of all, I don't know if if David Grush is right. He seems to believe it. Like, I got to tell you, being a whistleblower is an act of courage. Mm-hmm. And like to go ahead and do this and go ahead and put your like personal reputation and, and possibly even freedom on the line. That's important. Um, it seems like he believes it. I will also go ahead and say, because I am fascinated by a lot of this, there are a couple of claims that have sprouted up around it, right? Grush has said, this is what I've been aware of. This is what has been said. This is what people have made me privy to. There are other things that are coming out of it, uh, including like uh, arguments that there has been a, uh, a quiet, invisible Cold War going on in which several nations have been trying to reverse engineer crafts and technology that they have found. That is an interesting idea, particularly as we reach into... Uh, I don't know, a new cold war. And we're looking at these things, zooming around and doing all kinds of things that technically, you know, physically shouldn't be possible. I think that's interesting. I also think, uh, and this is just from a sort of a sci-fi aspect, Nick, there are reports that these things like distort time and space and that like investigators have gone inside of a craft that is about the size of a Buick and they go in and it's actually the size of a football stadium. And that's incredible. Like that, that, that makes me think about things. That is like a really cool detail that I've come across in all of this. But I want to point something out. I don't think it's a coincidence that as the first Cold War was starting was when we had the first UFO craze, where we started talking about flying saucers. We started talking about abductions. We started talking about Roswell. Like those things were absolutely parallel to one another. Now we're heading into a new Cold War in which the United States might actually have to go into some sort of a defensive mode or some sort of even offensive mode. These stories are mythological in nature, whether or not they're mythology. You know, if they're real, they're still mythological. What we're being told is there's someone above us on the food chain and not just as humans. That's important. But as Americans, you know what I mean? And before wars and before uh, Cold Wars, you start to see a lot of this stuff go in. If you want to believe that this stuff is possible and maybe that China's out there messing around with this or maybe, you know, someone like a Russia might even possibly have it. We're actually talking now about needing to beef up our military industrial complex. Maybe we should be spending a lot more money on research and development. It is also a narrative being told to us. Hey, I know you're worried about what's going on in politics. I know you feel like things are destabilized and they're not really going anywhere, but maybe we have some technology that, we're real close to cracking. You know what I mean? Maybe the best days are yet to come. There are so many different signals and messages that happen with this stuff, and you can't just simply roll your eyes and dismiss it. I mean, for all I know, this is real. But I do know that there are cultural, political, uh, societal messages that, that come out with this and, and things that we need to pay attention to and things we need to think about. Yeah, I mean, technologically, you know, who knows, like the LED light, was there like a missing somehow we got to that without knowing how we did it because we reverse engineered something from a spacecraft? I don't know. But um, 
here's the thing that's interesting is, you know, the the Red Scare is related to, you know, all the UFOs in the 50s because they wanted to keep us, you know, under control, uh, scared of communism. With Sputnik, all- Sputnik flying over our heads and making a beep. Yeah. 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 And, but, you know, but then when you talk about the like, communism, it talks about like nuclear family and it talks, you know, people like like gay people were so uh, thrust out of the uh, out of culture, uh, society as it was then. They didn't even have to say it out loud. Whereas I- I'm kind of thinking now there's such a huge push against like the trans community. And I-, I start to wonder how this folds into like all the UFO stuff, because, again, there's a hysteria and a fear. And we and we were seeing that same kind of reaction to to trans people, which, by the way, is is they're, they're trying to cleave off the LGB community from the t- trans. You know, well, we can accept gay people. We just can't accept trans people anymore. And I, I, I you know, I know this is a total you know left turn on this one. But, there, you know, there does seem to be a bit of a parallel, certainly back in the day when we were afraid of, of UFOs and how they kept society in control where we are now. But that's not untrue because what is actually happening with all of it, and you'll notice that every new development, Nick, nothing offers clarity. Right. You know what I mean? Like nothing offers, oh, here is a concrete thing that is happening. Here is something that like could possibly get us out of this mess. In times of societal crisis, that's when this stuff is bred. Like if you actually talk to somebody and, and I had a conversation not too long ago about, like, what are you actually worried about with, like, uh, you know, gay and trans kids? What are you worried about with schools, with books and all that? Like, what is the worst thing that's going to happen? You know what I mean? Like, what is it? Like, can you I, – I said this to someone the other day. I said, can you distill it down for me and tell me what could happen? And they're like, well, I just think that they have a plan. You know, the they, there's a they. And depending upon where you go on the internet, who you listen to, what you read, what website you frequent, there's a satanic plan, right, to drive us away from God. Or there's a transhumanism that's going to lead us into a future in which our souls are destroyed and we're controlled. All of this is part of trying to divide us and keep us from thinking about what's going on. Thinking about what is actually occurring and where we're actually going and coming up with concrete plans. Being afraid that there is, I don't know, a little gray alien over here that is somehow or another going to come in and obliterate society. Like, is that an interesting thing? Yes, it is. Would I like to know if that's true? Absolutely, I would. But there are still concrete things that we know are problems that we know need to be addressed. And meanwhile, that, whether it's the little gray alien or gay and trans people or the deep state or any of these things, all it does is keep us from actually discussing what we know to be true and what we know to be pressing. And that is how all of this stuff manifests. And it's not, it's not a surprise. All right, everybody, that's going to do it. I'm going to go shut up for a while, which is going to (laughs) feel so good um in the meantime nick is going to take control of the mothership uh i I think we've got some plans for the friday episode um again i hope things don't just absolutely break out into chaos that that would be fantastic um nick will be back on friday with the weekender if you need us before then you can find nick can you hear me smh you can find me at jy saxon i'm gonna go shut up take care